Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Barry. Appreciate Clay, the songs that you led. Appreciate the congregation here um, singing together, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, brothers and sisters are supposed to encourage one another, build up one another, uh, help each other get to the heavenly home. Well, the verse I remember growing up focused on Hebrews 10:25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some as as I got older I began to focus on verse 24 uh, which talked about provoking one another into love and good works uh, and um, I can remember many times having persons in my life that have encouraged me guided me prodded me got me back on the right um, path and that's what we're kind of that's what we're talking about tonight um, one of the songs I can remember that we was sang as teenagers is the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Um, and then it goes on to talk about in the chorus that these are to be desired more than gold, yea, much more than fine gold. And so when we look at the word of God, uh, we don't take it lightly. We know that these words come from God, that they inspire us, that they allow us to know who God is. They allow us to know concerning the family of God. They allow us to know how we should live our lives and what we should be like and uh, how to make it to heaven. And this life is so short, I want to go to heaven and I want each of you to go to heaven. And that's what it's all about as a family here in Pickerington is encouraging one another um, in that journey. The title of the lesson this evening is Just Like Jesus. Uh, that's the way we want to be is just like Jesus. You can probably remember the radio commercial um, that's talked about what, who do you want to be when you grow up, Rosa Parks or Neil Armstrong? That's all I remember. <laughs> but anyways, a lot of times when we're young, we begin to think, you know, I want to be like this football player. I like to be like this actor, this actress, and that's who I want to be when I grow up. Um, maybe you've heard stories of kids getting together saying, you know, my dad's real strong, my dad is like this, my dad is you know, uh, and bragging about their dad. And I remember my, my brother Mike saying, well, my dad has a big watermelon. So I'm not gonna say what that is supposed to mean or, um, but now I have the big watermelon, so I'm not gonna say too much on that. But kids wanna be a certain, they like to imitate. Paul says, be like me as I imitate Christ. And kids like to imitate. We like to imitate maybe different persons in our lives. Maybe there's somebody at your job. Wow, I like to be like that person, dedicated, um, very organized, very um, Six Sigma, uh, um, uh, you know, very lean in, in your work structure and things like that. There may be different things that you want to emulate of uh, various persons at work. But the most important thing in this life is to emulate Christ. I want to be like the Son of God. I want to follow His example. That's what Peter was talking about here in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 21 that was read to us. Um, for to you, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. 
Christ left us an example. We can go to the New Testament and look at the life of Christ, and we can find all kinds of examples of how I should live my life. And I like looking at the life of Christ. I like looking how he lived. And here's an example. He suffered for us. He did not have to come to this earth, but he decided to come to this earth because we could not pay the sacrifice for our sins. And so he came, he humbled himself. You know, there's a, uh, he came in a very humbled manner. He didn't come as the son of God, look at who I am, look how powerful I am, look at this or look at that. He came as a servant. He came in a very humble manner. He didn't care to have the biggest house. Matter of fact, he didn't have much and didn't care to have much. And so there's a different mentality that sometimes we have. It's like, what can I acquire? How great can I be? What kind of influence can I exert over someone else? Now, if you're a positive influence and you're trying to have a Christly influence on someone, that's a different uh, uh, scenario altogether, because that's what Jesus talks about in Romans chapter 5. Let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works, that they too may want to glorify your Father. He's not saying do good works to be seen of men, but he's saying do good works and that you might influence others for the sake of, of, of Christ. Leaving us an example to follow. In verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges, judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The goal of any disciple of Jesus Christ is to become and emulate Jesus Christ, to be and live like he lived. There's a story of this woman who was uh, driving through town and she was tailgating this guy. She was in a hurry. There was this, and you know how um, you've probably seen similar examples of this, but the light was turning yellow. Instead of speeding through, she uh, the person in front of her slowed down and came to a stop and then the light turned red and she became very angry she began yelling she began hitting the horn she began cursing she began doing all these things uh, um, giving gestures out of, of frustration and finally a police officer came to her window knocked and tapped on the window and says ma'am I'm gonna have to take you in and so he took her into the police station and and a few minutes later after um, looking at the registration, looking at the owner of the car, and he comes out and he says, I have to apologize. He said, I thought maybe this car was stolen because when I looked at your bumper sticker, it said, what would Jesus do? And then there's another bumper sticker that says, follow me to Sunday school, so I thought the car must have been stolen. <laughs> and so she did not know what to say. She found herself in a very awkward situation. That's the kind of a situation that we don't want to find ourselves and at work, I don't want someone to say, well, you're a Christian and yet you do this. You're a Christian and yet you cuss, you, you, you gamble, you drink, you're, you're part of uh, the world. Um, you, um, you conform to the ways of the world and so forth and so on. However, we flaw, however flawed, however, <laughs> Sometimes I write my notes and I misspell words and I have, to, um, I have to look twice and figure out what I was trying to say. 
But as Christians, we cannot be perfect. I strive for perfection. I strive to be like Christ, but I cannot be perfect like Christ. But nonetheless, I strive to be like Christ. And we understand that when we become a convert, when we become a Christian, that Christ is our example uh, that we follow. I'm also convinced that sometimes those who wish to wear the name of Jesus have a disconnect as to what really means to be a, disciples, a disciple of Christ. You know, Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, and we're getting ready, we're getting ready to look at the process of putting on Christ and then what it looks like to put on Christ. So point number one, the process of putting on Christ. First, God's word emphasizes our union with Christ that happens at our obedience to the gospel. When we are baptized with Christ, we put on Christ. When we are baptized with Christ, we are buried with Christ. When we are baptized with Christ, not only are we buried, but the man of sin is crucified, and then we're raised a new creature in Christ. And Paul plainly tells us, shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound, may it never be. And, but don't you know that as many of us who were baptized were buried with him, and he goes on to talk about being raised with Christ, uh, leaving the man of sin into the water and not allowing that person to rise up with you. But you're raised a new creature in Christ. Paul writes that in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, he says, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's what it means to be buried with Christ. You are clothed with him. You put him on. You, you emulate him. You become like him. Therefore, everyone who has committed their life to Christ by faith has the status of having putting on Christ. And we should strive to be like Paul, to be able to say, be like me. It is difficult to say, and there's sometimes I would say, do not be like me. But I want to strive to be able to say that. I do not claim to be perfect. Uh, and, um, but I want to be more and more like Christ, and I pray that I have that desire, because sometimes we lose that desire, and desire is the most important part in becoming like Jesus. Clothing imagery vividly portrays the transformation that results from our relationship that we have with Christ. In contrast to living a life of disobedience to God um, and his ways. In Romans chapter 13, verse 13, Paul instructs believers to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We already alluded to that. In Romans 13, verse 14, sometimes the command is to put on, uh, to put on certain godly characteristics that are a reflection of Christ himself. He goes on to say in Romans um, 13, verse 14, he says, uh, put on then as God's chosen one, holy, beloved, and compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These are all characteristics of Christ. And so there are two things, elements involved in putting on Christ. One is the positive elements, and one thing, and another, another is not to put on the things of the world or do not leave those characteristics or those clothing. Uh, God says you can only serve one master. You either choose to serve me or you choose to serve mammon or the devil. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, thus the call to put on these godly characteristics is rooted in our status as those who are holy, chosen, 
and loved by God. So that's the process of putting on, of putting on Christ. And secondly, we want to look at what happens when we put on Christ. Well, we become like him. And I think we have various, uh, and we've already stated that, but we have other verses that illustrates this uh, even more. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the, and the flesh lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. So it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's Christ who controls my thought. Sometimes the mind knows what's right and sometimes the heart wants to go a different direction and it's difficult to choose um, the direction that you know that God wants you to go. In Colossians chapter one, verse 27, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then again in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 and 30, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many believers. So that's the process. We looked at the process of putting on Christ, what it looks like or what happens when we put on Christ. And finally, this evening, we want to look at how putting on Christ will affect you. How will putting on Christ affect you? We had a baptism this morning and it affects, uh, I know it will re affect uh, Rebecca. I know each of us here this evening that has been baptized with Christ, it affects us. And it should affect us in a way that we become more like Christ. But I'd like for us to look at uh, some of the examples of Christ um, in the New Testament. <clears throat> First of all, we see that Jesus, just looking at some examples, I just want to look at three examples briefly, um, how putting on Christ will affect you. First of all, we see that Jesus cared for people. Uh, this is a characteristic that we need to acquire ourselves. In John chapter 11, verse 32 through 37, we have the account there where Jesus is, uh, has an opportunity to show, and it's not like he was doing it to show, but this is his character. Uh, Jesus cares about people. But it says there in verse 32, when Mary came when Je where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you have been here, my brother, she's talking about Lazarus, of course, would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he says, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And so that shows you that Jesus as God and Jesus as man who never sinned, wept, had human emotions. He cares deeply uh, for us. He cares deeply for each and every one of us. He wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And of course the answer is yes. But he goes on to show the power of God, his father. 
by raising Lazarus from the dead, but it, goes, it does show that he cared for people. In Matthew chapter 14, we have another example of him caring in verse 14. Uh, Jesus and the disciples were very, very tired. Uh, when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and when he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. But Jesus said, they do not need to go away. Um, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. And of course, you know the rest of the story, how he takes those five loaves and two fishes and feeds the multitude because he cares, because he didn't like to see that these people were hungry. He had compassion on those individuals. So this is an example of Jesus caring for others, and we should have that same compassion in our everyday walks of life. Um, when we see someone in need and we have therefore opportunity to do good, as James talks about, we need to take advantage of that opportunity and do good. Uh, when we have an opportunity to teach someone, we should take advantage of that opportunity to teach. When we have opportunity uh, to feed someone, um, we should take advantage of that opportunity. <clears throat> Jesus also complimented people. Um, we see that in Matthew chapter 8, and verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered uh, Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully, dreadfully uh, tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another come, uh, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great, uh, great faith, not even in Israel, when I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So Jesus took advantage uh, of this opportunity to acknowledge the great faith of the centurion. And so here he took advantage of that, and I think we ought to, in turn, follow that example. And when we have opportunity to, to thank someone, to appreciate someone, to acknowledge someone who has done a favor in your life, uh, to be um, that encourager, to be like Barnabas, as he did with, um, as he did with um, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. There was those who feared um, Saul, and yet he befriended Saul and encouraged him um, in his pursuit of becoming the great Apostle uh, Paul. Uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 19, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify one another. And then the th third um, example, uh, third and final example, on um, how putting on Christ will affect you is that Jesus changed the lives of people. Jesus changed, I know he changed all of our lives here this, this evening. Um, uh, what's the, 
the passage in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. This is a, um, my mind went blank and I'm going to just go on to the next verse. Um, but Jesus did change people. Um, we have the example in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, we have an example in John chapter 5 and verse 24, where he says, Moses, surely I say to you who hears my words and believes in him, who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, um, but has passed from death into life. I'd like for us to notice one last example in Jesus changing lives. And that was the life of Peter. And then we'll bring the lesson to a, a close. But I'd like for us to notice how Peter continued to allow Christ to change his life. First of all, when Jesus was summoned, had summoned him to become an apostle, Peter had a choice to make and he chose to leave everything and to become an apostle of Jesus Christ and to be a follower of, follower of his. Secondly, we see that when Jesus taught his lesson on humility at the Last Supper and he went around and he was washing the feet of all the disciples and he came to Peter and Peter says, no, you're the master. You know, uh, he didn't think Jesus should be washing his feet. And Jesus says, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, you will have no part of me. And so Peter allows it. He understands the lesson and he allows the master to wash his feet. He was teaching Peter how to be a servant. We need to become servants as Peter became a servant. He continues to, to grow at the, at the feast um, when Peter um, was told, made the comments, says, I will not forsake you. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so he goes around and during the trial of Jesus and he follows Jesus around. And sure enough, you know, he denies him the first time, the second time, the third time, and he hears the rooster crow. Uh, crows and he looks over and he sees the look on Jesus' face and how disappointed he runs out and cries and weeps, weeps bitterly. And so he repents. And again, after the death of Christ, he, he uh, and the resurrection of Christ, he continues to grow. But after he, he's an apostle, that he, he preaches the first sermon there in Acts chapter 2. You think, you know, the great apostle Peter uh, never struggles. But yet, when we see later on in his life, um, he is taught the lesson in, in Acts chapter 10 that the gospel is also for the Gentile people. Cornelius is an example of that and was buried with Christ. And he was raised a new creature. And he was taught that by God. But yet, later in his life, he was rebuked by Paul. He was rebuked by Paul because he would fellowship with the Gentiles when the, the Jews weren't around. But when the Jews came around, then he would... Uh, sometimes not acknowledge their presence and would not fellowship the way that he should have. Uh, so we see that Peter continues to grow, and that's the lesson I'd like for us to, to remember tonight, is to continue to grow in Christ, to become more and more like him, to love his word, um, all of that much more every day of our lives.
have the understanding that becoming a Christian, being baptized for the forgiveness of sins, also means that you have the desire to wear the, the clothing of Christ. It's not a matter of just being buried in water. It's a, it's a matter of desiring, and desiring is the most important aspect because if I don't have a desire, I'm not going to change. But I have the desire to wear the clothing of Jesus Christ. So that's the, um, what we want to encourage each and every one of you here this evening is to strengthen your desire to be more like Jesus. It's not like a costume a party where we, we strive to, to dress up and become and pretend to be somebody else. But we literally want to strive to become more and more like Christ. Let us continue to strive to follow the example of Jesus that we read about in the New Testament. And if you're here this evening and you're subject to the Lord's invitation, if you are in need to be baptized with your Lord and Savior, we encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity. Or if you need to make things right, we encourage you to come as we stand together and as we sing. Oh, do not let the word depart.